what games have you been playing recently? Outer Worlds. Outer oh. don't, don't sleep on Outer Worlds, people. No, I know. It's, Nobody's sleeping on it. Don't say a thing. I, I feel I, like people are sleeping on it. No. I don't, I don't see any stuff about it. There's a lot of buzz it. about I it. I see it everywhere. Okay. Maybe I'm just on the but, wrong uh, channel. Well, I just see I'm not sleeping on anything. I just don't have money. Well, it, it, it became a thing when... Welcome to Indie Dev Breakroom, a show where we chronicle our struggles starting up our own indie game companies. We're four different game developers from two different startups at the Game Incubator in Skövde, Sweden. Once a week, we take a moment to catch up on each other's progress and chat about game development in general. From Framebrick, there is me, Joachim, and Cornelis. Hello. And from Green Tile Digital, we have Ben and Tom. Hey. Hello. This week, I'd like to talk about something that's critically important to us and all aspiring game studios, verification. Ben, why don't you explain what verification is? Yeah, so basically the difference between uh, an indie game startup and a uh, indie hobbyist is that to begin with, like we're going into game development with the agenda of of making our own games company and you know paying the bills <laughs> from the beginning. Right. So, uh, but you know, as as you may know, game development obviously takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. So. We want to figure out, like, the idea that we're working on, is it worth pursuing? Will this sell? Will it result in, in, in us being able to start up our company for real uh, while we, you know, flip burgers and, and sell popcorn? So, yeah, that's the first struggle as an indie dev company, like, verifying, finding your audience and then trying to uh, pursue publishers and in, in investors and, and showing them that, hey, people are interested in what we're doing. Uh, it's not just an idea. So what have you guys at Green Child been doing to verify your game? Or maybe you should tell us, what is your game? Yeah, so we're making a rave horror game. And... Uh... Tom, do you want to give it a try? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell us. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to explain. So we've been working on a game <laughs> called uh, Stripper Pager. Um, basically, it's a survival horror game with a lot of exploration focus. And the uh, where the main goal is to survive this death rave or this death rave festival in, in a mysterious psychedelic forest and that's a hard sell yeah to investors how do they you have no idea what we're talking about how do you verify that you don't uh, know what you're talking about i sometimes know what i'm talking about <laughs> no, well I, I think, uh, um, well, usually when you're ver verifying a product, you, you want to basically want to create a, a prototype and make sure that it's done. And then you want to get it out to people and show it to as many people as possible and sort of try to sell this idea to people, like um, reach out to your audience. That's difficult, um, mm. especially with a game like this, because there's not a lot of gameplay necessarily, or like it's exploration based. So you need to have areas to explore. So you need to make these areas interesting and that takes time. Um, so that the way we've been working primarily has been sort of try to work on graphical assets, sort of show them off, publish music, uh, trailers, and sort of just send them out to as many people as possible. Um, Establish Reddit, the aesthetic. Twitter. Yeah. And but but still, like it, it, it's you're shouting into the void and like yeah. hoping that someone is going to hear you. 
and mm. right now it's a single player experience, mm. right? But you have worked on a multiplayer version or part of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that that's also part of of the verification process. Like when you you work on a prototype, mm. you test it, uh, and you see like, does anyone care? <laughs> and maybe someone will down the line, you know. But uh, nobody really cared about our multiplayer only game, so we pivoted, and that's also part of of, of it that you. You try out your your game. You see what works, what doesn't. In our case, the aesthetic worked. Like people love, or were very very interested in the whole sort of rave horror game. You know, when you say try it out, where do you try it out? Um, well, you can either publish the game on pages like Itch.io or Game Jolt, or if you don't have a finished game or something that you can show off, you can tweet about it, try to post on Reddit. They don't really like self-promotion that much, but that's a way you can do it. And YouTube videos, try to reach out to games journalists if you have a following already. Like, it's difficult when you're starting from zero. Yeah, we try that. We yeah. <laughs> Nothing. It's an uphill battle. Yeah. For sure. For sure, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we, 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 we tried that out. It didn't really work with a multiplayer-only version of the game. Uh, we took what worked, which was the aesthetic. Now we release the game again as a single-player experience, and it's going a lot better. Like a lot more people have, have found the game to begin with, tried it, and, and like it. So, uh, cool. I'd say our idea is somewhat verified, but we've still got a long way to go. Yeah. yeah, I think it needs to be something unique enough for people to be interested, but not being too strange for people. <laughs> like uh, mm. the multiplayer, they were like, "This is a horror multiplayer. It's a whole new style we haven't seen." Yeah, it was an asymmetric multiplayer. Yeah, exactly. Even even now, in the like, people are commenting like, "But how are you going to make this into a multiplayer?" Like, (laughs) people don't understand how that would work. And I think Mm. when we say it's a single player, they're like, "Okay, so there's going to be story, and there might be puzzles and exploration." Yeah, because there's been a lot of first-person horror games that you explore stuff and, and. walk through a campaign sort of uh, but i think the aesthetic of stromophagia is like what really stands out mm-hmm. uh, at first glance at least yeah i think that's one of the big strengths it will make people play it yeah and that's the thing you have to find something that is sort of relatable that people already know that yeah. you know i i like this i like these kind of games i will like this if i buy it but you don't want to be exactly like the rest no. of the market because then they have, have no reason to buy yours specifically so you have to stand out yeah i think uh, for our game, we didn't really, we never found common ground with anyone. No. <laughs> Going back to explain, our game called Gravity Eat, uh came out for mobile phones uh, a while back. Yeah, we, we finished our game way ahead of uh, Stroophagia, even releasing their alpha, which has been making the rounds now. Uh, we released what we would call a finished yeah. version of uh, Gravity Beat. A uh, very lightweight game for mobile phones. It's an arcade game where enemies are drawn to you by gravity. Uh, you dodge them and make them run into each other and explode. It's really basic and but really, but really, really fun. Like yeah, uh, you know, you you can Google it right now. It's called Gravity Beat. I have the uh, the record like <laughs> over a million, and I'm I'm looking for for a new challenge. So please download it and try to beat my record. Yeah, it's uh, so the game has really taken off here in the office. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but basically nowhere else. So we thought we had something big with Gravity Beat really early on when we started out uh, because two days into prototyping it we found ourselves stuck playing it because it was just fun the basic idea of getting these enemies drawn to you and dodging and so on just felt nice felt so satisfying getting to knock into each other so we felt like oh maybe this is the new tetris 
at least to me, that's been what I've been looking at a lot. Like, oh, if you like Tetris, you probably like this, but... Yeah, specifically Tetris Effect. The, oh, yeah. The new version with a lot of effects that yeah. make, like, make up for... Uh, visually well, stunning. Yeah. But, I mean, speaking as a fan of your game, and um, we're, we're, I'm, I, do, I digress a little bit, but uh, I think that it's more of a shoot 'em up but where you use, rather than like shooting the enemies, you're using the enemies as your as your bullets. Which yeah, we, is a really interesting idea. We use that as a tagline, gravity is your weapon. Yeah. So the problem is, uh, we thought this game idea is so strong, once it gets into people's hands, they're going to love it. Yeah. I would say that's true. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people that have tried playing it have had so much fun. Yeah, we, the, brought, we brought the game to the expo here in Kovde, uh, Sweden Game Conference. And uh, almost, I feel like almost everybody who actually played it enjoyed the, the experience. I mean, it was that one four-year-old, yeah. <laughs> who <laughs> that little runt, <laughs> who really didn't understand how to move. And I can't no. blame them. No, I think our game is five plus. <laughs> uh, so the real issue is, can't draw people to play it in the first, in the first place. Just mm. we can't draw. <laughs> uh, we don't have an artist on the team, unfortunately. So we adopted this really simplistic uh, geometric art style where you know we can draw squares and circles and use that just shapes for enemies and stuff and it worked i would say it works well yeah. uh, I, I think the game looks nice but doesn't look exciting especially in images in the icon yeah uh it just looks like you know oh there's a square from you know one of those kids games where you match the shape with the hole <laughs> and it's difficult as well because the mobile market is so oversaturated yeah, yeah. and like all kinds of different games there, so. i found like 15 different guides in how to design your icon yeah <laughs> and the problem is they uh, all say different things they say different <laughs> things and they also assume again that you have someone that can draw right and for me it was like how do i align this square <laughs> <laughs> i'm not pleased with how the icon turned out but i'm also not sure I don't think we have the ability to make it much more. No. I think the conclusion is that it's a pretty solid game, but the mobile market was a lot more difficult than yeah. anticipated, and marketing-wise as well. But I, I think that's the warning I want to give out to the other aspiring game devs out there, is that you can have a great game, but that does not make it a great business idea. Yeah. And I hate being the person who puts, you know, uh, money over artistic value. I think obviously every game deserves to be made and we should be pursuing new interesting ideas. But to make a living off of it, we also have to find a way for people to want to play the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we failed in that regard with Gravibeat. I feel like it's harder with mobile games uh, nowadays at least. Because um, yeah. uh, we got a feature for Scribophasia. And that's sort of like what skyrocketed our uh, people found out about it. Yeah. And I yeah, feel yeah. like feature sites for mobile games are rare. It's not, yeah, it's very few websites we could find in the same way. Like there's a subreddit for it, but uh, like getting explosive growth always seems to happen inside the markets themselves. Yeah. You need to be featured in Google Play yeah. or in the App Store. Yeah get on the front page there of like oh hottest games right now and suddenly you get hundreds of thousands of downloads yeah. but if you're not on there you're getting 10 downloads a day perhaps and that's not mm, enough <laughs> far from enough yeah uh like here's some insight for you to be counted as successful in the mobile market you need to have at least a hundred thousand downloads um, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of people yeah, yeah. yeah another thing 
Well, I mean, when you talk about numbers uh, in the PC market, it's way different. Yeah, yeah I mean... You're a big team, of course, so you're going to need yeah, yeah. more than that. But... We're like 10 people, so we need a pretty hefty amount of, of, of sell copies to... But, but, but yeah. it's like I don't know. It's it's like around thirty thirty thousand copies. Yeah. I think you can, you can survive. Yeah, but, but like especially like if you're a small team, like two people, I think you could, you could get a success uh, working one year on a game if you only sell ten thousand copies. Depends on the cost. It's, there's a lot of factors, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. depends on how much you. The you numbers get. are not that extreme if you're a small team. If you're kind of smart about how you weigh your resources yeah i mean it's the time developing the game you yeah. have to account for as well and uh, yeah the price of the game i mean that's yeah. the big difference almost like yeah. between you, mobile and pc yeah can you sell a mobile game for like 29 uh, that's a premium game it's gonna yeah. be yeah. i think minecraft is like 99 10 dollars maybe yeah i think so yeah well, yeah, we should it, do it, dollars, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> crowns. Who cares? Yeah, but but, but like that's because uh, that that you you see that a lot, like with games that have been sold on Steam to begin with, and then yeah, they make yeah. a port to mobile. Yeah, and like originally they they cost like um, I don't know fifteen euros mm. uh, or dollars, and then you go over to the mobile <laughs> market, and they're mm. like, ah, it's 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 a buck. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Even for a, like. A game that did well yeah. on PC. Yeah, but it, it's just such a rough market. Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, so you you um, failed with Gravity Beat. Uh, yep. It's, it's, it's no, the, it's I, the hard it's, truth. It's, it's the hard yeah. truth. Yeah. But, but like, you, you made a, a fun game, a great game, yeah. and obviously I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> but, <Hey>. uh, <laughs> but like, you you failed. With, with it as as a as a business yeah um product we're not, we're not starting a company around gravity beat so. what's what, what what are you going what are you doing now like how are you going forward like what what, yeah. what are the um the lessons learned so uh even before gravity beat released we knew uh it was going to have trouble uh getting out there because even in like the months ahead of release we weren't generating any buzz anywhere hmm. we tried sending the game out to people uh tweeting about it all kinds of things and it got basically nothing so we knew release was probably not going to be the miracle we were hoping for so uh we started prototyping a new game and doing so we had we put up some principles for ourselves uh before deciding on a new game idea uh which where verification was a very important part of it what about this idea can be spread around easily how does this game convey its gameplay in an easy way? How do we summarize this game as easily as possible? Mm. Yeah, like, what's it going to cost? I mean, how, how many copies do we probably yeah. going to have to sell of this game? Is it possible we're going to sell this amount? So just looking for something that from the beginning seems like, yeah, we can sell this, yeah. basically. And have even the idea of how do you market this game in particular for the idea. Before you, we even started prototyping, we had to at least have... A thought <laughs> on that because we did not have many thoughts on Gravity Beat. Again, mm. we thought uh, fun game, let's go. Yeah. It's gonna work itself out. It did not. It, it's worth mentioning though, like that this is like we 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 haven't we don't have any prior industry experience. Yeah. <laughs> or like business experience. Like we just came in into this as game developers straight from university. Yeah. We want to make games. Like how do we do it and how do we survive doing yeah. it? So I mean, uh, like. It's it's very important to sort of get your first game out there as quickly as possible, so you can learn yeah. like yeah. what you need to do if it's, you want to 
it's almost more important to fail at the early stages yeah, than as success. As possible, I mean, yeah. Of course, it's never bad with success, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it, a failure can teach you so much. You're, you're obviously not going to go into game development and think you got the next Tetris like I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but I think I'm very happy with Gravibeat as a learning experience. Mm. We got so many lessons from that and really taught us how to look at ideas in a different light. Yeah. Gameplay is cheap. Obviously, all the ideas we come up with are things we think are going to be fun. Mm. And then we verify that fun in the prototype. Uh, but the hard part is making this cohesive idea that is not just fun gameplay, but interesting marketing, uh, virability, mm. uh, ways for this game to spread. And who's the audience? Obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, who is this for exactly? Obvious. We're not making games for ourselves at no. the end of the day. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, in a way, <laughs> it's, well, we, some ways, we, but... we do it because, you know, we're serving ourselves in one way. But yeah, we need to think about who, who is the player? Mm. Who are we sending this message to? Yeah. Um, it's hard trying to let, let yourself go uh, in that sense, making maybe some decisions that you wouldn't prefer to see in the game. Mm. And I mean, sometimes this is obvious, like uh, we who make the games... Uh, obviously don't need a tutorial yeah. in the beginning of a game. If game developers made games solely for themselves, no games would have tutorials ever because mm. the game developer knows. Uh, but without a good tutorial, nobody gets anything, yeah. uh, as we've seen with Strabophagia. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what you start <laughs> doing towards the... towards like, when, when you're coming to the point where you need to release, you have to test your game and <laughs> and make sure that it, it, it's readable. Uh, but that's a topic for another day, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So let's wrap up. Uh, let's wrap up yes. and just talk about like what do you need to do to verify? Like how long time should it take? And at like what's the stages of verification before you start actually, you know, putting in the man hours to complete your game? I would put a week at most in uh, generating ideas, having brainstorming of just everyone put your ideas on the wall of game ideas you have, and then you iterate on those ideas. Mm. Okay, so I have an idea for. Uh, it's a game with paper airplanes and you find different kinds of paper and you throw them on each other and paper is razor blades and it cuts through people. Oh no, it's a very gory game. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And then... And, you... and like make sure that those ideas as well have an audience in mind. Already. Yeah, exactly. Like so that's... At, at the ideas point, it shouldn't just be, hey, I think this would be fun. It's like, I think this would be fun for these people. Yeah, exactly. For people so, who like this. But that's where, you know, that's the kind of next step. First you generate the ideas yeah. and then you say, okay, and... And that's where it comes in. Okay, so this game, uh, the paper cutting game. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from. Paper uh, cut airplane. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, it's supposed to be a game for, you know, those bored kids in class making paper airplanes. Do kids do that these days? Or do they uh, just play on their phones? I don't know. I'm not done with the kids anymore. <laughs> I mean, old. we did it yeah. while we were developing Stormfager. Gosh, gosh dang kids. <laughs> They're going to love it. So it's for those guys, and oh yeah, we can do this marketing campaign with like paper flyers put out, and you know. So you start thinking about like this idea: who is it for? How do we spread it? How do we make sure this person that should love this game wants to show this game to other people, and we give them an easy way to do that? Mm -hmm. uh, we can't just depend on them telling other people about it. We want some kind of way. Uh, should we make a trailer that these people can spread easily? Mm -hmm. uh, should we? make these again flyers maybe that uh, you can print out and give to your friends mm. should this game have a high score you can share immediately and send it to your friends already in an alpha or something that shareability yeah and you find something that suits 
the game idea itself. And if there is no good fit, you might want to reconsider the idea. Yeah. And this is just the first week. You've brainstormed yeah. ideas. Yeah. So what happens after that first week? You've, 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 you've settled on the paper plane idea. Yep. <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. The paper cut airplane. All right. What do you do now? You've got just an idea. Yeah. Like, how do you yeah. verify? So that? now you need to prototype. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you... you don't touch the prototypes the first week. I mean, that's wasted time. Yeah. Most likely. I mean, you can do small stuff, I guess. But, I mean, the mm. prototyping comes now after mm. that part is done. So... Maybe even paper prototypes. <laughs> paper yeah. prototypes. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. to test the game idea. Yeah. Now, now this is, maybe you have two ideas, maybe at this point, that you could start prototyping. I mean, you don't yeah. have to exclude ideas yet, I think. I mean, you can still work on several prototypes because you're probably more than one people yeah. in the team. Mm. Uh, so maybe one more week or two more weeks making prototypes, depending on how quick you are. Test your prototype in-house, I mean, in the team, mm. and see if is this fun. Do we like it? Because if you don't like it, no one else is probably going to like it. I mean, that's the first most important step. And you're not going to want to work, at least at this level, for several months on something that you don't like yourself, I think. Yeah. Uh, so it's really important that you find your own passion before going a step further and finding someone else's passion in your project. And I it think. doesn't just have to be mechanical. Either. No, it could also be like you're working on a on a certain you know method or style. Yeah. Uh, to like this this game is going to be two point five D and we're going to do it animations with like stop motion animation like that. How would that look? Yeah, a prototype, prototype everything. Yeah, yeah. the mo most important part I think you have to analyze what is the most important part of this idea. And that's the part you first prototype, yeah. I think. Yeah, you identify what they call the USP, yeah. unique yeah. selling point. What yeah. what makes this game unique? And like, what is, what are you going to put in the biggest word on your box art? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Nobody has box art anymore, I guess. But like, on your uh, Steam page. Yeah, yeah. for Strobophagia's rave horror, yeah. you identified that as your unique aesthetic, and you conveyed it in this really short, simple sentence. Yeah. So what's the paper paper cut plane simulator? Tagline yeah. in this case, great flying mechanics or fold it sharp aesthetics or yeah something. something you would probably find some way to like oh this this cool customization thing of folding yeah. paper and turning it into a craft and that's the part you prototype that yeah exactly you try to find where's the fun in this and if yeah. it's just like this is a huge pain I just want functional airplanes instead of this then yeah. maybe you do a pivot of finding another kind of airplane based game or you pivot the other way and find another kind of paper-based game you find you search for the fun there yeah how long does this take is it like two weeks two weeks at most. yeah uh, again the prototype needs to be bare bones yeah you're only testing the uh core systems yeah these unique selling points so after two weeks of prototyping uh you've got an idea for a game but no one knows about it so what's the next step yeah <laughs> <laughs> once again this is for like wide verification comes in you want a way for the public to see your game already which i know this is terrifying you got this really shoddy looking prototype sitting mm. on your computer and somehow this is going to win over the audience so depending on the game this can work like there can be some very simplistic prototypes out there that you can just put on an itch or something let people play around with and they'll enjoy it and create buzz for your game because they can see what this could be mm. uh, a good example is Totally accurate battle simulator. Tabs. That's right. Yeah. Also made here in Hilde, by the way. <clears throat> the basic game is so simple because it's just ragdolls uh, with a super simple AI that they mash against each other. And verifying that game idea, they had an incredibly simple prototype and they made a trailer and some GIFs of it 
where these ragdolls just went nuts on each other and it looked hilarious and that was basically it that spread like millions of views on the videos and gifs and that's all they needed and they i think they made this in like a week or two that is a very effective process of making it and that's so you can take the prototype you have make a trailer of it and just showcase these mechanics if they are good mechanics to showcase uh visually hmm. um, yeah like I, I think the the, n the next step is definitely make a trailer yeah uh, and it, it like the trailer should explain the core appeal of your game and the most important part it doesn't have to be finished gameplay like oh, no. it, it doesn't have to be ball shots uh but like just show how the game is going to feel show how it's going to play you, you can sort of you can fake the gameplay you don't yeah. have to actually have it finished but like okay well we have these core ideas that we want to have in this game like okay well you're gonna you're going to be able to fold your own like um airplanes yeah and you, that you should be dynamic just use yeah. photoshop or After yeah pre-render that yeah. folding Absolutely. stuff it doesn't have to happen because, live at all because you're not showing off the game yet you're showing off the idea yeah and you want to see that people like it uh, and hopefully you'll get traction yeah, so you make a trailer. There can be some distinctions here. Again, some games you can put the uh, prototype up immediately mm. uh, just to showcase, like, this is the gameplay, uh, yeah. if it's strong enough. Some of them might not be... They might be damaged if you put them out too early in a visual way, like Strobophagia. I don't think you could have done that in a few weeks because the aesthetic is such an important part. Mm. But we still did work a lot. Like, we, we, we had ideas for trailers and we made areas... Uh, for those trailers and, and we made like animations for those trailers like that was <laughs> but we, we almost like worked more after a trailer script than we did a game design document mm. and then later on we, we refined these areas and made them you know part of a cohesive whole but we were, we were always working towards like well we want to have something interesting to show so mm. like what's something interesting we could show well maybe you know you stick a hand in a guillotine in a whole like amphitheater setting like that could be fun or like yeah. that that could be creepy you know yeah. and it, it and is, now that's part of the game use your strengths here if you have a person on your team with a really cool voice uh use that person for yeah. a cool voiceover put three of your best concept art pieces over a video and then you have uh, your person with a cool voice do a voiceover just telling like the story and setting of this game that's that's a way to sell like RPGs and so on, where the story is supposed to be what pull people in, but yeah. you don't have any assets exactly. in the prototype to tell that story. But you can you dump that thing ASAP. Yeah. Uh, I would give you a month, maybe. Yeah. Uh, from the prototype to releasing this trailer or releasing this me this form that is supposed to pull the audience in, yeah. uh, if it's a trailer or a prototype. Uh, some kind of playable alpha something yeah you know, and, and i mean you probably won't have full time to work on this so a month is is, is a short time yeah. so yeah. like if you're not working full time maybe a month to three months but yeah. you want to know like after three months if you're mm. going to pursue this idea or not yeah i wouldn't say half a year six months that's no that too, is that's way too long way too three months i would say is like the key yeah uh number yeah and you know to be fair we haven't been completely consistent with this. Like we worked on Strobophagia for six months, which was far too long. Uh, but that's the time it took for us to sort of to get it out there to people. And you know, sometimes you have to believe in your idea. Like yeah. if you have, uh, if if you know that when this game comes out, it's guaranteed to get at least some buzz because of the genre, uh, or because you know a, a an influencer that has a lot of views and is in your genre again. This is just general guidelines of how you want to think when you're building your your verifiable products you know they're guidelines yeah. they're meant to be 
you know they're not rules they're not <laughs> rules exactly and every game is different yeah definitely what's that Pirates of the Caribbean quote yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah it's time we take a break break um, time I'm gonna fill up my coffee welcome back it's time for Cornelis Game Corner whoop whoop Cornelis <laughs> suggested we have some sort of playful segment on the show to lighten things up uh, but we couldn't decide what it should be so we're just gonna let Cornelis try something new every week until it sticks <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we'll decide when it sticks or not probably but, uh... if it's actually fun <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's harsh alright so this week we're gonna engage in some uh, video game numbers trivia and I've made some googling and uh, I've found some hopefully interesting numbers from the gaming industry that you're now gonna try to guess uh, and uh, so I uh, will read the questions uh, and uh, uh, one at a time and afterwards we'll then have a few seconds to write down an answer uh, on your paper uh, and then we will read them aloud in order and whoever gets closest to the answer gets a point uh, and if you nail the answer exactly you get two points only two points <laughs> <laughs> only two points and this game could very likely be unbalanced. I haven't playtested it, so we'll see. Live playtesting. Live playtesting. <laughs> the new segment of the show. Uh, in any case, the winner is whoever has the most points by the end. Uh, and uh, if you try to dispute these very thoroughly researched answers, I will deduct points from you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a merciless judge. <laughs> so, are we ready? Yeah. yeah. Uh, make sure to hide your answers. So, the first question is, uh, it's a bit close to home, how long did it take to make the alpha version of Minecraft? This is great podcasting. <laughs> great podcasting. <laughs> 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 Silence. We'll see. Uh, I don't know how much time you guys were going to take to write down numbers. I mean, uh, I'm done. You know, yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. All right, you get your, you say your answer first. I guess. Uh, so now everyone has decided their answers. So yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, nobody can cheat now. Uh, I said six months. Six months? And you said three years. Three years. <laughs> Nine months. So the real answer is six days. <laughs> I guess I'm closest. Yeah, you're closest. So maybe you'll write down a point on your paper. Maybe? Yeah, I'll give myself a check yeah, mark there. Check mark or something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, three years. <laughs> I, don't know. I remember it taking ages. So yeah, it was... He made it really fast. Six yeah. days, and on the seventh day. Uh, he released it to the public. God yeah. released it. <laughs> the really open alpha of creation. Almost religious. <laughs> I don't know. But cool. So moving on to the next question. A big player base is always nice to have for your game. So how many registered players in total has Fortnite had as of early 2019? There are a lot of children on the planet. <laughs> yes, there are. Aren't there? I'm going to start there. Yeah. All these Fortnite kids. Yeah. Well, I'm done. I mean, there's oh probably God. adults Just playing Fortnite. It's not exclusively kids. I'm gonna. No. Oh no, this is way too much. <laughs> <laughs> Go higher. <laughs> All right. So you can Google first, first again. I yeah, guess. I put down 150 million. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Ben. I put down 68 million. 68 million. Yeah. Why not the meme number? <laughs> <laughs> Right. I was about to, and then I thought, this is a child-friendly, <laughs> this is a family-friendly podcast. This is a Christian yeah, podcast. Oh. <laughs> and Tom, what did you write down? I feel like I'm underestimating Fortnite. I wrote 30 million. 30 million, <laughs> right. It seems like 30 million too So many. the answer is uh, shockingly 250 million oh. uh, <gasps> users. So you, you Once again, I win by being off by miles. <laughs> 
Well, it's it's weird numbers. I mean, that's the point mm. of the game. And hopefully, you learn something maybe right. <laughs> by yeah. the end of it. So, uh, but speaking of Fortnite, the next question: uh, Fortnite isn't just big; it's also pretty lucrative, even though it's free to play. So, how much money does the average player spend on Fortnite, counting both paying users and non-paying users? Dollars. Uh, yeah, answers in dollars. 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 How do you make a dollar sign? Sure, whatever. Is it one line through the S or two? I put down two, <laughs> and I missed the S. <laughs> Close enough. I yeah. Guess. Everyone's ready, I think. Yeah. So you go first, Joachim. Two hundred and fifty dollars. All right. Yeah. <laughs> two hundred fifty dollars. Ben. One hundred and fifty dollars. All right. Twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, go big or go home. Yeah. Fortnite wish <laughs> they made so much money. Come on, per player. Whales are big, man. Yeah. So the answer is sixty dollars. Well, so, Do I win again? Well, so they could just have sold the game yeah. for sixty bucks. So, <laughs> average player is like. So wait, I win a base game. Wait, what did you say? One hundred and fifty. Ah oh, damn. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Ben gets a point. One point. Points everywhere. <laughs> Still, nobody's winning by being correct. <laughs> No, I mean, maybe two points for a correct answer is like way too little because it's only yeah. possible to, <laughs> to get the right answer. Yeah. So, all right, moving on. As of today, how many characters are playable in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate? And uh, counting Pokemon Trainer as three characters and Echo Fighters as individual characters. A number popped into my mind. <laughs> and oh, I have no. Hoping it's correct. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we can start from the other way around now. Oh, Tom. God, no. oh my. No. Is that 110? <laughs> 110 characters. Well, could be. Ben? Uh, 53. 53 characters yes. in uh, Smash Ultimate. And Joachim? I said 86, and I'm basing that vaguely off of one time. I don't know, the number 86. <laughs> Somewhere. Why not? So the real answer is 81 characters. Oh, no! Yes, of today. So it was really close. And moving on to the next question, I don't have that many more, I promise. Uh, Grand Theft Auto V holds the record for having the highest budget ever to produce. How much is it? I think I saw a report recently that GTA V still sells like millions Goodness. to this day. And it's been out for, yeah. Who hasn't played it? I know. <laughs> but Me, it's, it's I haven't the... played it. <laughs> <laughs> it's way too expensive. <laughs> yeah, and it's still like $60, yeah. uh. so... All right. sells. Tom, what did you write? I don't know. I wrote $500 million. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're in, in the game dev. And I mean, we just yeah. now started to realize how much money yeah. really goes yeah, into yeah, developing yeah. these kinds of projects. So, I mean, maybe yeah. it's not that, that off. Ben, what did ben, you write? $38 million? $38 million? Yeah. I said $300 million. That's pretty close. So the answer is $265 million <laughs> to make the game. And it's yeah. the most ever been spent on a game. I think, though... Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 holds the record, if accounting for inflation. We're on the final stretch now, Oh, I, I promise. People can't seem to get enough of console games, uh, or game consoles these days. So approximately how many PS4 units have been sold as of, as of the summer of 2019? I've made my guess. <laughs> Once again, the number pops into my mind. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a guessing game. So uh, you can show your answer first, I guess. Okay. Go, go ahead. Uh, I guessed 70 million. All right. It's not a bad guess. Ben. Oh, uh, can I change my answer? <laughs> <laughs> you can say that. 1.5 million. No. 1.5. No. A billion. A billion sales. <laughs> <laughs> PS4 in every home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this point. 
No, so the real answer is 103 million. So oh. you were very close with 105. 1.5. 1.5. Yeah. Oh, so you said 105. No, 1.5. No. So I'm the closest. You're the closest. Off. Again. But yeah, so they were celebrating the 100 mark then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So but after that, it's also like 3 more million. So. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Stop close. buying our console. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So the last question. This is for... Some marbles, I guess. <laughs> Not all the marbles. Speaking of summer 2019, Marvel's Spider-Man is the best-selling PS4 exclusive game ever. How many units has been reported sold as this summer for this very big game? So we know that 100 million PS4s yeah. exists out there in the world. So not more. So, no, so not more, probably. <laughs> but uh, how many of them have Spider-Man? How many of them yeah. have bought Spider-Man? <laughs> the numbers. <laughs> it's the numbers, Mason. Yeah. What do they mean? They enter my mind. <laughs> All right, Tom. You ready? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know zeros on that number. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote thirty-five million. Thirty-five million copies. Yeah. That's pretty big number. One yeah. third. Yeah. Every I wish third, I yeah. sold. I mean, Spider-Man is best much. boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Spider-Man is best hero. Ben, mm. what did you write? Five million. Five million. And I say fifteen million. The answer is thirteen point two million. Oh, yes. And I don't even have to check the, <laughs> the score, but I think you Kint takes it home. Let's move on to the last segment of this show, and it's called Spreading the Love. The indie community is highly depending on supporting each other. So in this segment, we'd like to share games, creators, and resources we like and think you should check out. And this week, we'd like to talk about a little game called Space Scavenger. Ben, I think you had some words to say about that. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> I can say them for you if you yeah, want. No, yeah, yeah. Describe the game. I mean, I, I haven't played it. It's an action roguelike. So you have a top-down view of your spaceship and you're drifting around in space uh, with these different planets you can find and lots of enemies always coming at you. You start with a very basic gun, just bam, 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 bam. And as you kill enemies, they drop parts for your ship that you can pick up and immediately add onto your ship. So you can get a new body module that just increases the size of your ship and gives you more slots for weapons. And you can, so as long as you have weapon slots, you can add more new weapons on different areas of your ship and combine them how you like. That allows you to build these really crazy shapes. So there's a lot of customization yeah, options for your and ship on you, the fly as yeah. you're playing. Okay. So it's, it's, it's like as you're playing, you're getting these parts and you're building it there and then. And then if you die, you obviously start over again. So yeah. it's like in, in other roguelikes, you, you pick up equipment and, and swords or you level up. But in this game, it's, it's all about building your ship as yeah. you play. Cool. So, and it's a load of fun. Yeah, like so even like if, even if two people were to have the exact same playthrough, picking up the same parts, hmm. uh, they could construct their ship in a completely different oh, configuration, okay. uh, leading to different strengths and drawbacks, which is I think is really interesting. It's a whole other layer of... Uh, creativity and replayability hmm. on the roguelike instead of you know if two people play the same game and find the same plus three sword they're going to use it hmm. but here if you find a cool uh, chain gun are you going to put it in the front or in the back hmm. because you can create two very different play styles right uh, when I played I found these uh, poison gas generators so my entire strategy was basically just find enemies run away from them with my gas generators in the back uh, and just have them follow me and uh, end up dying just from the gas, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I also found a lot of 
uh, shooty weapons that I just decided not to use because I wanted to try this strategy, but mm. someone else could do an entirely different setup with the same things. That sounds pretty cool. How how does the game handle like randomness? Because a lot of roguelikes, in my opinion, uses a lot of random variables to make each playthrough feel different. But those variables can also mess you up and maybe make the game feel unfair because you get a random encounter. Maybe that mm. that's way overpowered or something. Does the game have any randomness to it? Yeah, obviously. I mean, all the build, all the uh, levels are randomly generated. Yeah. And the uh, parts that you get are randomly generated, so you, you're you're not necessarily going to pick up the same parts on each run through. But the, it feels balanced, anyways. Yeah, I think I think it helps uh, compared to like you know a lot of the action platforming uh, roguelikes, where some randomly generated spikes can really mess you up. Yeah. Uh, here you're in space. There's a lot of there's a lot of room. <laughs> mm. So even if there's a cluster of enemies that have been generated in a space, you have a lot of room to run away. And decide how you want to engage them. Cool. Uh, like there's geometry in the sense there are planets and asteroids that can be in the way, but there's still plenty of space around. The randomness is mitigated by that, so you can always you have a chance to adapt to the new situations. Hmm. Awesome. Well, I'm sold. Do you know where I can find this game? Uh, well, the game's called Space Scavenger. It's available if you Google it. You should be able to find it, and you can get a download of their demo if you join their Discord. I recommend you do that. What, what's the team called? Who made it? It's made by Red Cabin Games, and you can find it on spacescavengergame.com. All right. Uh, if you want to contact us about the show or ask us questions about our companies, you can email podcast at framebreak.se or tweet at us. My Twitter is Joachim Online. Mine is uh, Cornelis Vestin. Uh, mine is Lemprems. And mine is BLL Clark with a C and an E at the end. And uh, thank you for listening to Indie Dev Breakroom. We'll see you next week. One, two, three. Bye! Bye. <laughs>